Living in the rising sun, the land of bamboo, Tengu, and Gundam like Yo, can't believe I finally made it, my two re-celebrated Golden Week, hold it down with my Cho E-Tank it out of, let's hit Yamada, thank you, big smile, I feel as I do that, but today, everybody, welcome to the Manga Sensei Podcast. I'm your host, John Sensei, and today, like every day, I'm breaking down the world's best language in five minutes or less. Today, I'll be taking questions on Instagram, and if you aren't following me on Instagram, look up the Manga Sensei. I am there, happily answer anyone's questions about Japanese. If not, I also have a couple of questions up my sleeve that I have been asked throughout the week. Every single week on Manga Sensei, you can go at any time, actually, to my website, manga-sensei.com. Enter a question there, and I will answer your questions there easily. However, today I wanted to make sure people had an opportunity to ask me questions directly so I can answer their questions directly. So if you have any questions for Japanese, make sure to write them in the comment section down below. Share this with your friends or anyone that would like to learn Japanese, and I will happily answer those questions for you. I've been learning and teaching Japanese for about eight years now. I've been able to do a lot of fun, different things with it, but this is the really first time I've been able to go online and answer answer people's questions with this. My podcast has now been blowing up. My team has been extremely helpful. So before I jump into that, I do want to thank everyone on my team. Everyone from Sore-chan, who you'll see today as I upload the video for Guy Talk, which is our ins- which is our YouTube feed. John Chan or John Sorensen and I, my co-founder of Manga Sensei, jump on there. We talk about Japanese cultural topics. also like to thank Brittany and Yuri. They're my comic writers. So if you like reading Japanese comics and you want to read and learn Japanese through comics, we have that available on our website. Thank you, Brittany and Yuri. also want to make sure I thank Ollie. She's one of our main people on there. She does a lot of our design on our website or will be as well as Riley as well. So I want to thank my team, everyone that's here behind the scenes making sure Manga Sensei actually happens because this is a big deal. We're very happy for everyone that's on our team making this an actual thing. So as I said before, feel free to put comments down below if you have any questions at all about the Japanese language. If not, I'm going to talk about three main questions that I have today. The first one is a beginner level question. I had a question this week about hiragana and katakana. What are they and how do they work exactly? Then I'm going to go to a more intermediate question answering questions about differentiation between Japanese particles and if there are still no questions at that point or simply people are okay with what I'm going to be doing you can also check I'm going to do a little bit more advanced question which is going to be talking about how you do gakudeki or also how you do shokudeki on your Japanese resume and what order and organization that should take when you write that in there I've been able to hire a couple of Japanese people on my team including Rikako, Rina and Yuri thank you everyone and I'll also be doing that. You can answer questions in Japanese or English. I'll happily answer those as well. So let's jump into the first question. So Japanese, there are three distinct alphabets. The first one is hiragana, and the second one is katakana, and the third one is kanji. Kanji is those funny little symbols that you see on my Instagram feed. Basically, simple things or Basically, what they're called is syllabic ideographs. They are pictures that have an intrinsic meaning in them. So, for example, if I wrote a symbol that had three strokes and a little dot at the top, that would be dog. And it would always mean dog. Now, it may be pronounced different ways, but that's going to mean dog. Now, 
what happens is there's hiragana and katakana. Let's first explain a little bit about where they came from. Hiragana and katakana both came really from kanji. Hiragana specifically. If you were to take and look back on hiragana over time, it actually evolved from kanji, but it's mostly used for its phonetic abilities. So hiragana is used for phonetic sounds. So a, i, u, e, o are going to be written in hiragana. Now, though these came from kanji and are simply used for their phonetic value, they mostly differentiate the parts in the Japanese sentence for Japanese grammar, such as at the end of verbs, also for Japanese particles. Never will they actually be written in kanji in modern Japanese. This is extremely useful to understand as that these particles are break up the Japanese sentence structure as there are no spaces in Japanese sentences. Well, there are like randomly, you appeal to put them there and it technically doesn't need them. That's why there's this big argument in Korean. Regardless, <laughs> that's how they break up the Japanese sentence structure with these hiragana marks, putting them after kanji or using them for the particles themselves. Katakana, on the other hand, is mostly used to identify in foreign words. So, for example, if my name, being John, would be written in katakana, and if you would, but if it was a native Japanese person, they would most likely write their name in hiragana. Yuri, Rikako, those names would be written in hiragana, if not kanji. Although, the main differentiation between these is how they were used historically as well. Back in the day, katakana was used developed from kanji, but it was also kind of thrown in there randomly to identify sounds or particles as well. In modern Japanese, we've kind of separated this out so each script has their own individualistic meaning. If you would like to look at how to exactly learn hiragana and katakana, what I recommend you do is take a chart and then practice writing them down over and over again. This may be a somewhat monotonous way of actually learning this language, but it is an extremely useful opportunity for you to understand the strokes, how these things flow, and the sounds that they make. The nice thing about Japanese hiragana and katakana is there are no exceptions. So while something will say ha, it will always say ha. This goes across the board for Japanese hiragana and katakana with the exception of one single sound. That is wa versus ha. The ha sound is the Japanese wa topic marker, which is used to basically differentiate what we're talking about. It's the main part of the sentence. So if you look at a basic Japanese sentence, watashi wa John desu, I am John, that watashi plus wa would be the wa, it marks our topic, and the name following the I am John. This is extremely important because you could have watashi ha, jon desu wouldn't make any sense. That wa there is ha, and it's simply used for both. The second question that we're going to go over today as well is a little bit more advanced. So those who have studied Japanese for a little bit of time, and even some who study for a long time, often have difficulty differentiating the difference between the topic marker wa and the subject marker ga. This is a big... Right, that's always been an issue for a number of people that I've met with. How do you use these? Which one do you use and when? There are a couple of rules that you can actually use to eliminate which ones to use when off the top of your head. The easiest way for me to break that apart is use understanding what I'm using for my whole sentence. So if you're ever using a topic with an adjective, such as the cat is skinny, or the girl is cute, or the dog is small, those are always going to be paired with the noun plus ga, and at the end, the adjective. So it's going to be noun, ga, adjective, every single time. You will not have watashi wa kawaii, watashi ga kawaii is always the case. So that's the first thing that you can use to differentiate between the two, is make sure that if you're using an adjective, it's going to use ga, not wa. The second thing to do is also understand what is most likely to be omitted in Japanese. See, the topic often goes without saying. 
For example, if you and I are having a conversation about cats, there's no reason for me in Japanese for every single sentence to, for me to say, neko wa, neko wa, neko wa, or watashi wa, watashi wa, watashi wa every single time. The best thing to do in that case is simply omit it. That means if it's likely to be omitted because it just goes without saying, most likely that's what's going to be marked with wa. Now, let's jump in a little bit more into the weeds instead of using those off the top of our head tools. Wa and, ta, wa and ga are used to differentiate between two different parts, the topic and the subject. And these may seem like arbitrary ideas, but the topic is the overarching topic, the thing that's going to adjust, going to react directly with the predicate or the des in Japanese. Look at Japanese sentence structure like old school multiplication. You work from the outside in. So the things that are in the brackets together are the things that are going to be directly correlated. Therefore, wa is always going to work with the last verb, and ga is going to work with the verb before that. So if you're having a topic about cats, neko wa, kono toshi ga, nantoka nantoka, and then we can simply go from there. The next major point there is that wa can be used in a contrastive sense as long as it's used negatively. That means that if I'm going to be talking about something versus something else and it's in a negative sense, wa is always going to be used. Let me give you an example. If I say, excuse me, if I say, for example, kono hito wa shirenai da kido, zenzen benkyou shinai mitai da kido. So you hito wa, and then I'm using wa again. I may be replacing the different topics, but you can also see this as a contrasting or comparison between the first person that I talked about and the sono hito in the second one. And you don't have to use gan that because we're still contrasting these two negative ideas. Now, that may be a little more complex, but it is something that I find fairly common in Japanese to compare two things negatively. So you want to make sure nai or masen is at the end of your sentence. Now, the last thing or the major use to differentiate between is probably the hardest to differentiate. Ga is going to be what you're talking about. It's the topic that we are discussing, but it's also used, it's also never used for new information. Wa is used to introduce new information. So, for example, in Japanese, if you and I are talking about cats and I want to talk about my cat, that would be ga. That's not new information. We're still talking about cats. However, if I'm trying to bring up some new information, that is, I want to talk about, say, um, why dogs are strange or why birds are better, I can use that to bring it up with wa. That's the major differentiation between wa and ga. Does that make sense to everybody? If that doesn't make sense, you can always check out a blog post that I posted on my blog, manga-sensei.com, about the major differentiations between wa and ga, written rule by rule, so you can see exactly how those are used with tons of example sentences down below. You can also find examples of both of these grammar points at our online Japanese grammar dictionary at discovernihongo.com, completely free service that has over 600 different Japanese grammar points written and translated by professionals on both sides. So lastly, the, if, you, if there are no other questions in the show notes today, then I will talk about one more question that we've had this week, which is talking about the shoku deki, which is your, your, um, your work experience versus your gaku deki. In Japanese resumes, you'll simply fill the first information at the top, your name, your address, where you're from, what you're doing. But the second section on a Japanese resume is a little bit more specific. It asks you for two things, your work experience, your shokudeki, versus your educational experience, your gakudeki. However, this should be taken extremely chronological and should not be separated. Let me tell you what I mean. If, for example, you're going to school and you're 
major in university is Japanese and you're going to graduate in 2018. You should mention that you're going to go all the way through 2018. That should be the most recent thing that you've done. However, if during your college career you worked at Starbucks, for example, Starbucks would go after the most recent thing at the top, followed then by the thing that you started after that, even if it's still ongoing. Not necessarily should you be worrying about the end dates of these particular times, but you should be worried about the start dates in Japanese. So don't separate them by gakudeki versus shokudeki. Separate them by time period, when each of these individual times were started. So if things start, the last thing being started should be at the very, very end of your resume, at the bottom line, and the thing that you started most recently or finished most recently in the case of graduation, for example, should be at the very, very top. That way they can see chronologically what you are doing and why that's important to them. This also is extremely important as they can compare this against the next section of your Japanese resume. See, as opposed to American or Western style resumes where it should all fit on one singular page, Japanese resumes will easily take up three pages with your Japanese PR, your Jiko PR, versus your Shokudeki and your Gakudeki, and then the following information online. I actually posted this up just today. If you go to the website, an example resume for everyone to look over, you can fill in the blanks and it will also translate every single part for you so you can see exactly how to organize a Japanese resume. I've noticed there is a big deal in actually justifying your PR more than the little list that you have on there. I've applied and worked at different Japanese work positions over my career before I jumped out on my own here at Manga Sensei, as well as being able to work in Japanese patent translation and working in translating for Kumoto Castle in Japan. So when you do your resume, make sure you fill out every single section, put things chron chronological order, and then also when you're doing your GCO PR, another thing I've really noticed is try to see it more like a uh, um, an essay, a five-point essay, if you have that there. Now, I do answer questions throughout the week, and some questions are very easy for me to answer and directly send to people, which I do on my website, manga-sensei.com slash info. You can ask questions there any single time. I'll usually refer you to Discover Nihongo to make sure you have checked there. And if you have any questions whatsoever here on Instagram, Facebook, or otherwise, my whole team is always awaiting. We have my secretary, Takeshi. He's on top of things. He's the man, and he's always willing to help. Also, if you want any Japanese swag, that's also available there. We have, This is where I'm wearing every single day. I have like 10 of these shirts. They're super cool. Also available on our website. Thank you so much for joining in today. And みなさん、ボイトキナサイ。もし日本語でペリペリになりたいなら、間違いが必要ですよ。ですから一緒に。働いて問題を解決するために働きましょう。それじゃあまた明日。